to Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we talk about how hard it can be to break into the field of content creation. Specifically, we dive into the difficulties of transitioning from content creation as a hobby to career, as well as how we stay motivated when that career becomes more mechanical. So, let's get into it. All right, Jacob. So something extremely cool happened when you got out of college, and that was you got a job as a quote-unquote videographer. Yeah, took a while, but eventually, yeah. Well, in the grand in the grand like scheme of things, sure. In the grand amount of time, yeah. it was what in about a year after you graduated. Yeah, you got that videographer position. Yeah, right? a little so less, on yeah. LinkedIn, you could put that you were a videographer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. They we're just harping back to Fisher uh, uh, when she was telling us about what she puts down on LinkedIn, which is important. But uh, can you, your job is, is what we're going to be talking about through a good portion of the beginning of this podcast. And, and I, I'm interested in how that job panned out. You're not working at that job now. Uh, can you talk about exactly what you were doing in your first videography uh, role? Yeah, sure. So I, obviously I, I don't want to name names and I, and I am truly appreciative for this first job. Uh, I basically, I was working for this tech company and I was making these, uh, informative like tutorial videos. And this was right when the pandemic started. Right. And so I didn't have any studio to work in or any fancy cameras, uh, I was actually their first in-house video person uh, because before that they were just, you know, hiring contractors to do some ads maybe like once or twice mm-hmm. a year. Um, sure. And so I was their first in-house person. So they had me doing a lot of like they wanted me to pump out videos <laughs> basically. Uh, but since the pandemic just started and then I was in the office for a week and then I went home uh, to work and I didn't have a computer. I just had my MacBook uh, that you sold me uh, back in college. <laughs> How old is this? It's 2014, right? The, the trusty old Mac. Uh, yeah, I bought it uh, for my freshman year of college. So or late 2014, early 2015. But yeah, so I, I was just using this this old MacBook uh, that I'm still using right now uh, to record my screen of like doing these tutorial videos for how you use their products and stuff like that. Uh, which was kind of a new thing for me. I hadn't done a ton of, you know, using OBS to record my screen and, and I got to do some voiceover, which I had done a couple times before, mm-hmm. but this was, uh, the most prolific I had ever been in voice work. And it was just an interesting situation because it was nice to finally have a, a job where I could be creating videos and writing scripts, mm-hmm. even, uh, for whatever product or, or purpose they may have served. Uh, but there is just such a big focus on the quantity over quality kind of thing. Uh, not that they didn't care that they were good, yeah. but I was making one of these videos a week uh, and I was kind of on my own uh, because I was the only video person. So I was basically just every week learning a new product and writing a script about it and then doing the screen capture and then recording the voiceover. Uh, and it was 
that kind of mechanical thinking of, uh, you know, I, I, of course this is much different, but I think of SNL, uh, where Mm -hmm. they're all pitching, uh, sketches for Monday when the host, when the guest host comes in, uh, and then they're writing them Monday and Tuesday, and then they have a read through on Wednesday and then they start rehearsing and then cutting things and changing things. It was that kind of mechanical, uh, you know, setup that I had going on. I would pitch what topic I was going to do. I would mm-hmm. learn that topic. I would write the script. I would do the screen capture. I would do the VO. I would give them the edit. And it, it was just kind of that week after week. Right. And obviously uh, that's a, a privileged position to be in because it's already so hard to get into that industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did kind of wear me down a little bit because that was all I was doing for however long I was there. Uh, and I had all these other creative projects that I wanted to do, like scripts I wanted to write, uh, but I just never had the time or mental capacity to do it because this was my first job in the middle of a pandemic on my own. Uh, and it was just kind of all those uh, things just weighing down on me that that kind of made me burn out a little bit uh, on my creative projects that I wanted to focus right. on, but just didn't. Well, that's interesting. Uh, and, and that's, that's a wonderful first uh, sort of job that you can speak about, right? Because you got to do everything. You were not, you were not in charge of capturing the video. You were in charge of capturing the video, doing the, the screenshots, doing the recording, all the storyboard, everything. And that's a wonderful way to learn how to do everything right uh and so that's exciting yeah it, it it was very cool to you know have i'm in complete control over over like an informative tutorial video is is not as exciting as like being an aaron sorkin david fincher type uh <laughs> writing and directing right. or whatever uh but it, but it was cool because i got to learn you know everything as i went along and, and it was a, a fun process of uh dipping my hands a little bit in everything. That's not how that phrase goes, but whatever. <laughs> maybe maybe dipping, dipping my hands. hands in what paint? Yeah, what, no, what? F- fondue, fondue, that's more fun. <laughs> I like yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, um no, but we're 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 speaking about uh, creativity. And yes, there's there's a, a amount, there's actually a good amount of creativity that had to go into your your thinking and thought process for the videos you were making, but but due to the nature of the type of videos you were making, primarily um, you know, screen capturing, you didn't necessarily get to focus on some of the more creative sides that videography has to offer. For instance, you know, determining the angles of the cameras you're using, the the uh, the focal length, the lighting, um, even even color correcting and stuff like that. Like that, the visual side of things was primarily just those screen captures, right? And so it seemed yeah. as though, you know, you were put in in this kind of box where, uh, you know, it, within the box, you could be creative because you could write those scripts and you could add this different inflection in your voice for the voiceover. But as far as what you were allowed to create and what you were supposed to create, you were limited. And, and so when we talk about when creativity doesn't pay, you weren't necessarily getting paid to be as creative as you could be. Yeah, it was it, it wasn't it wasn't a rude awakening, but it was just kind of like, hey, I finally got my first video job. Let's go. Uh and then uh it just kind of that excitement wore down 
because, you know, even if, like, uh, obviously some of it is, you know, if only uh, the pandemic didn't happen and I could actually make videos in their office or something like that. Like, having a camera would have colored my whole experience way differently, right? Because, like you mentioned, yep, you yep, know, yep. having a camera and things to edit and color grade and things like that would have changed the entire uh, experience. Uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of uh, an interesting dive into the the more mechanical side of of making videos and that's you know i i'm overusing the word mechanical but you but, know but it makes that, sense that's that's what it felt like yeah right right, right. It, it is it is it one gear that's clicking another gear that's making something work rather than you know what other metaphor or whatever thing i can think of that creativity is it's like a swan taking off from a lake right creativity is that <laughs> <laughs> now but but you 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 said something a little bit ago that was actually really interesting in that uh, you were talking about how this sort of job uh that was a you know quote unquote creative videography job uh affected your other creative ventures and you 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 even said you even said burnout uh what burnout did you feel and how did that affect uh, your writing or your other screenplay or, you know, short films that you were you know, trying to create or come up, uh, come up with in your head? Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a mix of a lot of things, like I mentioned, where the pandemic was just starting and I was working from home in my first job. So, you know, I had a very limited scope like I couldn't leave my work at work because I worked from home and so where I would write my scripts or or do anything like that would be the same place where I did work and once I was done with my work work <laughs> I just wanted to get away from that space you know yeah. uh and and just you know having the having work and I'm sure this is relatable for just about everybody who worked from home at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, it, it was hard to avoid thinking about things other than work. And and that definitely hindered my ability to write any sketches or, or scripts that I, I had in mind and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it, it was basically just the fact that it, it took the routine away from me uh, because the routine was all encompassed by doing these informative tutorials. Yeah. Uh, and so it just took a while for me to find my routine again uh, and, and be able to separate work life from, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote hobby side, the, the part that I wasn't getting paid for. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. the, the creative, the, the more creative part perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously I, I, I do also want to, you know, preface like obviously it, this this is something where i it i don't want to complain because i was so happy to get this video job and yes. i'm still super appreciative for that opportunity to yes. do all that stuff because you know we we both know how hard it can be to get into this kind of job mm -hmm. uh especially with you know the the paradox mm -hmm. of Okay, well, I'm applying to this video job, or they're asking for three to five years of experience, but I'm just starting out, so I can't. Right. And I can't have more video examples on my uh, resume to uh, make myself more appealing because I don't have a job and I don't have the budget to go buy a camera, right? Or or, or do all these kinds of things. So, so it's that kind. Of, I completely understand and recognize mm -hmm. uh, that you know how angering. Uh, 
it can be to live that I'm trying to get a job, but it, especially today, it's just so hard to to break through there. It, it sure is. Uh, but when you know when you talk about that and you talk about your experience of what you what you were doing, you know we could potentially come up with some solutions. So if you are out there and you do not have a camera, but you do need to make a a uh, portfolio or you want to enhance your portfolio. What are a couple of things we can do? This is sort of off topic, but since we're on it anyways, we can talk about it. Well, first, there are plenty of websites out there that offer an, and have free stock video. And so if you can sort of find some of that stock video and create a, a, a cohesive story with that stock video, and then perhaps you you write a script and you're able to actually create a video, even if it's a minute long video with somebody else's um, you know free stock video but it's your own story that you are using, you, you know, you're making the VO. That's, that's a way that you can, you know, create something because the first thing that you need to do is just have some examples of, to show off what you can do. And there are ways around it, right? Not everyone has a camera not everyone can afford a camera right off the bat. But if you think that is the biggest barrier, or if you think that is the barrier stopping you from enhancing your portfolio, there are ways around it. For instance, Jacob, you did a lot of screen captures. You did a lot of videos with uh, OBS, um, Open Broadcasting System, right? Or Open Broadcasting Software. Yeah. And that's free. Yeah, that's completely free. And and it's it's definitely a great tool to learn and, and just mess around with because there is so there much you, you can do with exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to take a moment there to, to briefly talk about a, a, a solution uh, to that paradox we're talking about of not having enough experience or enough uh, work on your portfolio and kind of going in that loop where I'm not qualified enough. And if you think you're not quali- not qualified enough, go listen to our episode on uh, uh, when to upgrade episode four. When to upgrade. We talk about imposter syndrome and a couple other neat things that may uh, pertain to you and your story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and that your suggestion of the stock footage also kind of harkens back to uh, Fisher's uh, definitely not procrastinating from last week. Uh, the series from Vox where that where they do that with the the old stock footage. Yes, and even at, Ju- at Junietta, I remember there was a project uh, in one of the beginner video classes where you yeah. had to do a similar thing. Uh, yeah, you have to tell a story with archive footage, and that's a solid way to, to start uh, learning how to edit. First of all, if you if you don't know how to use your editing software, use stock footage get, because a technical piece of being an editor is actually knowing how to use the foot or the the the, the software. Yeah, and put, putting the footage together. So there are ways around this, and also uh, talking about Fisher, I mean the beginning credits uh, and end scene credits uh, is stock footage. So. Right. I mean, she ended up using stock footage uh, to replace what she wasn't able to get because of uh, the pandemic. Yeah. And all of her storyboards. Yeah. Like only having so much of that film did, and then just uh, doing the storyboards and inserting those and uh, just music and sound effects to set the tone and the scene and everything like that. Right. Uh, and using that stock footage can even like help give you more of an eye of uh, shots that you might want to exactly. use or try out once you do have a camera. Exactly. Like, is that good stock footage or bad stock footage that you're using? And how yeah. would you replicate that or, uh, or the other way around, how would you make that shot better? I mean, those are, this is sort of the critical, critical, uh, lens or eye that you can have or that you can practice, uh, with, uh, footage that you didn't even shoot. 
Yeah. And, and on the writing side of things for me, where I had all these scripts that it was just hard to compartmentalize uh, between job and, and uh, working my job at my desk and then doing my writing my side scripts at my desk. Uh, one thing that I did for me was uh, I just have my cork board uh, above my desk and I I went to uh, Drug Mart, which is a, a store in, in Ohio, a, a chain. Uh, I know if you're not from Ohio, Drug Mart probably sounds insane. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just went in there and I picked up some note cards and some post-it notes and and uh, and everything like that. And then I just mapped out all of my ideas, uh, things that and things that I wanted to write. Uh, and I just wrote down what I knew and uh, what I needed to figure out. And then for the ones that were the most fleshed out, I started to do like my story circles and note cards and things like that. Uh, just uh, being organized in your in your mind, like organizing everything out on a board or on a table like that will probably, in at least in, in my experience, help you organize things in your mind. So yeah. it is a little easier to, to kind of get in that groove. Uh, and just setting aside time every day or every other day to to work on that stuff, you know. Actually, an- another thing about that board is, you know, we already spend so much time looking at screens. And I get it. I love screens. Uh, like, I, I have no problem spending all day in front of a screen, uh, whether that's a – not whether that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing for me. But <laughs> it is nice to, uh, you know, have the board – to organize your thoughts or jot something down in a note card because planning everything out like that and organizing like that uh, just takes you away from, you know, sitting in front of your laptop or your TV or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you are writing a script like I I am, you know, you're going to end up in front of a screen. So might as well take some time uh, organizing everything not on a screen. And it is kind of a a nice getaway in in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use I use uh, the notebook. I use the handy dandy notebook, uh, the small mm. small. I guess they call it moleskin. And I always have a pen in my pocket. Yeah. I I know a dear friend of mine. I'll name drop Sam Worley. Uh, he <laughs> always has pens in his pocket and has different pieces of of paper. And he's always doing something. An an idea will pop up in his head, or or something will will he'll see something pretty. Uh, and he'll try to draw it or something, or or he'll just have an idea of, you know, I want to try to draw Europe here, and I want to get all of the the countries, you know, in the right spot. You know, this is he's, I he's amazing. That. Yeah, he's amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like to have the physical paper. And so what I what I was trying to say is that having a piece of paper or something in your pocket that you can jot down. Uh, the ideas that just kind of pop in your head because that's what creativity is. It's just random ideas that pop in your head. Um, you can flesh out those ideas later, but you tend to forget them if you don't write them down, if you don't put them on the cork board or organize them. And so a lot of you, including, well, a lot of you out there, um, uh, including many of my good friends, are very creative people and they do have creative hobbies, uh, but their day job isn't necessarily that. So being able to you know, write down and organize those creative thoughts and ideas uh, when they are working their day job or other jobs that don't entail uh, that hobby, they can then look back at that paper uh, and flesh it out when they actually have the time. Yeah, yeah. And so now, actually, I I, I want to shift gears a little bit towards you because we've been talking a lot about just broadly, uh, you know that that kind of uh, 
dealing with the burnout or lack of creativity in your in your day job so you're you're getting it out otherwise and how you set that routine stuff but you're in an interesting position because you have it you have kind of two creative jobs right you have your full-time gig where you're working with video and and teaching others Mm -hmm. and everything like that but you also have your freelance business uh outside of that job so i'm wondering how do you set those boundaries uh, between those two kinds of work and, and how do you kind of carpet, uh, compartmentalize those ventures? Yeah. Yeah, well, I want to first say that you're, you're right. I do have those two jobs and I'm incredibly thankful that I can be in that position. Um, that being said, first and foremost, because I value the job that I have, my day job, uh, and I value it and, and I, and I love it and it is my career, uh, that takes priority. Sure. And if that means that I do less freelance work or do, if that means I don't market myself as much, if we're getting overbooked or if, uh, any, any one of those things, uh, happens, I'm always going to, uh, put my nine to five job that I talked about briefly earlier um, doing video work and teaching, I'm always going to put that first. So once I have that, once I've done the best job that I can do with that, because my time, focus, and energy is always going to be on that job over my hobby, primarily because right. I'm new to the job and I need to, to work the hardest I can. And, and I've signed a contract saying that this is where my time and energy is going to be spent, right? Outside of that, Obviously, I really love the freelance creative work, whether that's wedding video, whether that's real estate video, or you know, doing short films or any sort of you know fun project like that. I love that stuff. And in order for me to thrive, I need to have a fair dose of that in my life. And so I talked about setting those parameters and those boundaries, but how do I make sure that I'm getting enough of that? And when what it really boils down to is if I'm not getting enough of the creative work, then I reach out to buddies like you and say, Hey, let's start a podcast, (laughs) right? It's something (laughs) as simple as that, where if I have the time and I'm not getting that the same amount of creative brainstorming, creative neurons firing in my head or whatever, if I'm not getting enough of that, I try to find it and I implement it into my life. Do we, do we have neurons in our head? Yeah, that's a brain thing. Obviously not a science guy. Is that is that a brain thing? Yeah. Yeah, because okay. neuroscience is, you know, the science of the brain, right? I, I should Google this Boom. before we... Uh... Well, I took neuroscience... No, I didn't. Nope, I didn't. My friend took it in, in college. Uh, neuroscience is the scientific study of the nervous system. And the brain's part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with it. I'd say so. Yeah, putting that good communication... Uh, degree to use (laughs) shout out juniata (laughs) during our break we just wanted to thank everyone for their support and kind words since we started this podcast we've been having a lot of fun putting it together and it makes it that much better when we hear from you that's why we want to encourage you again to keep interacting with us through our email askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any topic suggestions or questions for us, just send them in and we'll answer and shout you out on the show. 
Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. Okay, so we have a question from Miles. Uh, He comes to us from Long Island. And the question is, right now I'm working in the service industry and I'm starting my freelance production company. I haven't gotten any paid gigs yet, but I plan on expanding and making money part-time on the side. My goal is to work for an in-house production company. How do I balance my job that pays the bills with my goal of a full-time creative job? Jacob, this one sounds right up your alley. Sure, yeah. What what should Miles do? I can definitely feel that that pang of wanting to be creative uh, while in the service industry. Uh, I have a similar experience where it was during my summers, the first couple of years of high of not high school, college, uh, where I, I was trying to think of ideas of things that I could write and shoot once I was at college or write them over the summer and then shoot them at Juniata. Uh, I was working at this convenience store uh, and more often than not, I was doing second shift, which was uh, 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or whenever it was. Uh, and so it got pretty slow, uh, between like 8 PM and 11 PM. And so I'd just be standing there behind the register, nothing to do. Uh, and you know, there is that issue when you're working those kinds of jobs, whether it's at a convenience store or in the service industry or something like that, uh, where you have all this energy during the day because you're at the job. Uh, And then you're thinking of ideas It's like, okay, I'm going to do this when I get home uh, or I'm going to do this tomorrow morning. Uh, But you just then you actually work the full shift and you just don't have the energy to actually do anything once you get home outside of just watch something on YouTube and fall asleep. Uh, And then the the problem that I ran into when I was working those jobs was, uh, you know, when you have those kind of second shift gigs, uh, that's the exact period of time in the day where it feels like you can't get anything anything done before or after. Uh, at least when you're starting out and, and you're just kind of getting the feel for things. Yeah. And so I think just a big part of it is uh, kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier, which is getting into a routine and blocking time out uh, despite the burnout. Uh I think uh, what I would uh, what I would do when I was working is I would take I would have like like you mentioned with Sam, I would have a, a, a scrap of paper in my pocket that was all folded up and I would like write on different sides. Or if it was in the moment, I would just like take a sheet, just like a little uh, piece of receipt paper I would just take out and I would just write something on there Uh and so I would just like have that mm-hmm. for those slow times during mm-hmm. the shift. Um, and uh, I would I would be writing out all these ideas. And even though I knew if it was, you know, like the second week on the job and I was still getting a hang of things, I, I would write it down. So then the next week when I was more used to my schedule, I would be able to uh, set aside time when I got home or in the morning to actually act on those ideas. And so I think just a big part of it is, uh, routine and taking advantage of your time, if it's slow at work, taking advantage of that and and keeping your mind active in that sense, uh, 
because I mean, then that'll just that'll pass the time if it is slow, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I would add uh, something to go off of that uh, is, you know, putting yourself within, you know, in proximity with other people who are perhaps professionals uh, in in this case, uh, video, video production, video editing. When you put yourself in proximity with those people, not only can you learn from them firsthand, but you can also learn the talk. And that's important. You can also yep. you know, build off each other for ideas. That's important. And, and, I, and unless you do that, I mean, YouTube can only go so far. The tutorials and the free stuff on YouTube is is incredible. I mean, we can go on YouTube and find anything and learn how to do anything. It's awesome. We live in an awesome time. But there's something to say about the power of being within proximity, within even in person. And I know that's difficult right now. But if you can get in person, uh, of course, now being very safe, uh, but have a conversation and talk through your what you want to do and and ask questions and do all of that stuff. So in my case, I was able to do that in college. I know not everyone gets the opportunity to do that, but I was able to do that in college. My mentor, who ended up being one of my professors, who also does the new media at Junietta, I mean, I tried to get everything I could from him. He was a solid teacher. He taught me so much about video, so much about creativity, and I really really valued my time with him. And so that was big for me. Yeah. And so that I was just, I was putting myself in the area where he was. Now, after college, I did the same thing. I lived in Pittsburgh and I just reached out to all the other video production companies to see if anyone would answer uh, and and want to go to grab a beer or a coffee. I mean, I did that. I, I was in the East Liberty area and I looked at the different videographers and production companies and I said, hey, I'm living here. I'd love to meet up and, and chat about your company. And uh, I'm a budding videographer, right? Uh, and and I did that. And you know what? Yeah. Not not too many people responded, uh, but it's funny. Uh, I did get some responses uh, in the in the recent months. So it does work. It just sometimes takes time. Even my job at Penn State, uh, putting myself in proximity of other creative people, I'm allowed to ask really stupid questions. I'm not allowed to dig deep into really neat opportunities. Yeah. And that's just the proximity. Well, yeah, I, I agree with, with that 100%. I mean, having you or Fisher or uh, Katie or Evan, like any any of our friends at Juniata, just having people around uh, to bounce ideas off of or, you know, just having the ability to be like, okay, let's just go do this real quick. You know, that, that means so much. Um, yeah. And that kind of, uh, mm-hmm. goes into another point, which is just using that to, to build your portfolio, uh, and just having a website, yeah. uh, to host all of your stuff is, is such a big thing. Uh, I mean, last week we talked about how I'm, mm-hmm. I'm using Squarespace now and that costs money. Uh, but even before oh, then, yeah. like I, I used, uh, Weebly and that was, that worked perfectly fine. Uh, you know, it, it's basically yep. just, uh, for me, it was basically just a matter of, you know, getting dot weebly.com out of, out of my URL, uh, yep. like just, but even yep. that's totally fine. Just using one of those free services like WordPress mm-hmm. or Weebly or Wix or any of the W's, Seriously. um, it, it, it does mean 
it it's good to you know establish that kind of stuff to have your your portfolio but also use that website to give yourself a personality that, i was saying that that's hard to do and so you taking your time to set up and talk about yourself on a website is huge and so by the time that you can actually afford to you know get the .weebly.com away or the wixsite.com out of your once you buy the domain or whatever you've already created that marketing material for you yeah and so it's perfect to set it up while it's free you can tinker with it you can do all these sorts of things so absolutely go for that because that building the portfolio especially nowadays uh you know sending in a portfolio sending in a website with any of your work is so crucial yeah and it, and it definitely can be hard like i had uh troubles with when i would build my first website or even this most recent website of like i can't publish it or send it out until it's perfect but like mm-hmm. it's a yep. website you can edit it whenever you want <laughs> you know just and, it just and you're not a celebrity well, perhaps you are, but you could be. But <laughs> if you don't have a following and you don't broadcast your website, I can assure you no one's going to find it. Yeah. Unless you want them to. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we had this conversation about the podcast, right? Our first episode, we were unsure if we wanted to to post it yet. Uh, and, you know, I remember saying, no one's going to listen to it. No one can find it. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. the same sort of thing. Yeah. Now, and and the and the I guess the last thing I want to talk about in this sort of to answer to fully round out the answer to this question, it's it's actually being proactive and searching for opportunity. So when I when I talked about my time in Pittsburgh about proximity, I took my time and went online and searched for opportunity. I was going to be in the area for a year, and then that. Uh, job was going to end. It was a term job. And I was searching for my next move, my next opportunity. The other big thing for me was also in college when I um, uh, had an internship at the uh, Center for International Studies. And the internship, I basically asked if I could be an intern. And the way Juniata works, I was kind of allowed to do that, fill out some paperwork. Hmm. But that internship specifically didn't have a videographer. And I wanted to do video editing and video production. And so I went over and met with, uh, I guess, a colleague, I would say a classmate. And and we decided that if we pitched to our manager, kind of the our mentor in that sense, that we could do these videos that would highlight international students, international um, stories, and, you know, all things related international education, if we could make a series of videos to highlight that stuff, how could we make this internship work for that semester? And because we teamed up, we brainstormed, and we went at it, and we asked, we were able, we found ourselves in a position where we were creating videos. That that internship with the videos didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily there before we created it. So searching for opportunity and just, that one, that one's kind of easy, but there are people out there with a lot more difficult situations, but I still say if you have an opportunity to search for that opportunity, yeah. go for it. Yeah, that that's a, that's a great point and a, and a really good story. Yeah, just you, like you like your experience. If you're in a position where you're not doing video, but you think it's feasible that you could pitch that to someone, do it. 
Yeah, I like that. Do it. Worst they can say is no, and then you uh, find a way to do it anyways. No, that's bad (laughs) advice. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I also shouldn't have advocated for, quote unquote, stealing company time, but, you know, whatever. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. But (laughs) if you have a piece of paper in your pocket and you have to use the restroom, I don't think that's stealing company time, but (laughs) don't quote me on it. But then you're just a someone that's just writing down stuff in the bathroom, and that's its own set of. That's also you know, yep. That's you its have own to be discreet. I think it's about time we go to definitely not procrastinating. We're finding ourselves <laughs> in a little bit of a hole here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nate, uh, what have you been watching or reading or what have you that's been getting you motivated this week? Well, I did start reading a book, but. Maybe I'll talk about that book next week when I get at least halfway through. Okay. I have another video for you, and uh, this video is brought to you by our dear friend Evan Quinter. I was at work today. I was doing some work, and he sent me uh, a YouTube link and said, I think he would like this. And uh, he was right. I did very much like it. Uh, So this is a YouTube video called uh, Fools and Dreamers, okay? Hmm. It's uh, on the YouTube page called Happen Films. And it is about a botanist named uh, Hugh Wilson. And basically, over a period of 30 years, he regenerated a native forest in New Zealand uh, and on the Banks Peninsula. And so this is a 30-minute documentary highlighting pretty much how this uh, botanist was able to bring back some of the native... um, ecological diversity on in this specific area uh, that had been ravaged by farmers, farmland, and um, just sort of neglect, human neglect in the area. Hmm. And it was fascinating. And I like when my friends reach out to me and ask me to watch, listen, or interact with things. And so that I hold that near and dear to my heart when people say, hey, I liked this. Uh, you give it a try. Tell me what you think. And so that was thanks to Evan Quinter uh, for sending me over or sending me that video just a, a few hours ago. Shout out and nice, yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, for me, uh, so you might have seen on Twitter, or maybe you've been keeping track of it uh, outside of social media, but there's a thing that came out last week called uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder Cut. Oh yeah, uh, and it's on HBO Max. And I have not watched it yet. It's four hours long. I got to find the time. But you know what else is on HBO Max? If what? you got HBO Max for the Snyder Cut, but have it for like a week or a month more and you're looking for something to watch. Uh, I figured I'd take this week to be my my one plug for Barry. Oh, you're uh, going to use it this early in the podcast? Well, I like it. I, I figure now's the time, right? Because there might now, be people now's the time. who are, are getting HBO for the Snyder Cut. And oh, you're right. I, I just, I need to raise awareness for this amazing show. All right, all right. That no one believes Good me call. about. Good, well, but, well, so, so, yeah, yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me backtrack a little first. So, Barry is a, a show on HBO. It's, it's There are two seasons right now. I believe they just started shooting the third. They were going to shoot it last mm-hmm. year, but... uh covid got in the way um mm-hmm. so basically it's bill Hader of snl fame as a hitman who 
uh, goes to Los Angeles to perform a hit, but then goes to an acting class and then decides he wants to be an actor. Uh, so that's the elevator pitch. And it, it's a comedy, but it's also very drama-esque. Uh, dramedy has its own connotation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't want to use, but I'll just say dramedy, I guess, okay. for the sake of, of uh, explaining it. Uh, yeah, it's so funny, but there are so many like dark moments that would be associated with being a hitman mm-hmm. that are done so well. And Bill Hader like created, written, and directs and stars, and it, it's it's such a good show. And if you know me in person, you probably have had to deal with me telling you to watch Barry at some point, mm-hmm. and I've even tweeted about it a few mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm finally being vindicated because Owen recently, our good friend Owen, mm-hmm. uh, told me he started watching Barry and he was really liking it. And then Fisher from last week, uh, I believe it was at some point last year where she texted me and she was like, hey, I watched all of Barry and it's really good. <laughs> and, you know, the people are finally understanding. Yep. And so this is just my plea. If you have HBO or just got a trial or something for uh, the Snyder Cut or something, try out Barry. It's just two seasons, eight episodes each. It, it's it's a good watch. It's so good. Wow. So that's 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 my case. That's your and you you did it well. You did Thank it well. Thank you. Do I, I have I you? Watch it yet? I will. Uh, well, I don't have HBO. So if uh, anyone out there wants to get me HBO, <laughs> I will gladly watch it with you. Or just start a GoFundMe for Nate. If you want to talk Nate. about Barry, that's yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, Jacob has another podcast called Jacob and Barry, and you can join him on that podcast uh, when he just talks about Barry. Don't tempt me. <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to make that podcast. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, all right. Uh, Nate, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateUlrich16, N-A-T-E-U-L-R-I-C-H-1-6. And Jacob? I am at the Jacob Novak on Twitter. Uh, Nate, thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. We'll uh, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.